you have your Bibles with you this morning, we are going to be in the book of Nehemiah, chapters 1 through 3. The book of Nehemiah, chapters 1 through 3. And uh, we're going to read all three chapters. No, we're not. Okay. We're going to skim over those three chapters. And today I want to talk to you about doing church the right way, being consumers and producers. One of the arguments that I used to hear a lot from people in my former church was that people don't come to church anymore for the right reasons. They come as consumers. They come because of what they can get out of the church. They're not really here to worship. They're here for what we can give them or what they can take from us. You know, in many ways, that's true today. That's true. People come because they're worried about their children and they want their children to be taught the right things. They're worried about their youth, so they want their youth to be taught the right things. They're worried about their marriage, so they want to build up their marriage. Uh, You know, they come because they feel like the church can do something for them and there's nothing wrong with that. And yet at the same time, I always said that when people come, then we give them Jesus and we help them and they not only... After a while, they're not only consumers, they become producers. They become people that join in the ministry, that join in the work. Where did Jesus meet people? Right where they were. That's exactly right. He met them right where they were. And I know this church has a great history of being a church that meets people where they are. You know, seekers. And so, we're talking about that, but we're also talking about moving the church and the people in the church from not only being consumers to being producers, to being people that are part of the ministry, people that enter in with God's work and allow God to use them. Have you ever noticed that there are lots of ways to do something? You ever notice that? I mean, there's lots of ways to do many things. There, there may be a very poor way. It's not very efficient. It uses up lots of resources. It takes a lot of time. But eventually, it gets the job done. It gets it done. Uh, there might be a good way. It's fairly efficient. It does a pretty good job. But then there's the best way that employs the very very best use of time, of resources, and brings about the very best result. One of the things that that, that we've been trying to do through this, this interim process is to for Willow Bend to find the, that very best way of doing ministry here, the very best way. And I'm not saying that Willow Bend has fallen into this ditch in the past, but let me tell you what a lot of churches, the ditch a lot of churches fall into. We're going to pray about it, and then we're just going to leave it up to God, and, well, that sounds good on the surface, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound good on the surface? Yeah, we're going to pray about it, and we'll leave it up to God. But I talk to that same guy that's a lawyer, and I say, okay, you got a court date coming up. And you got, you know, you're defending this client, or, or you're prosecuting this person. And, and, uh, and when, is that, when is that court date coming up? Well, it's coming up in six weeks. How are you going to spend the next six weeks? Well, I'm going to pray about it, and I'm just going to let God handle it. No, they don't do that. No, they don't. Businessman, businessman. You know, I've got this business to run, 
and, and, and there are seminars that I can go to and there are, there are people and, and there are best practices and all that stuff. But I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to pray about it and let God handle it. You know. Doctors. You know. Nurses. Yeah, well, you know, there's something called uh, keeping up with the latest stuff, right? And, 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 and it's important that we stay sharp in what we're doing. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is that, that I just think we ought to be consistent. And I think that when we do God's work, we ought to do it the very, very best way we possibly can. And we ought to be intentional about it. And I'm not saying that this church has fallen into that ditch, but a lot of churches fall into the ditch that they are, they are if, if being intentional is on this end, then they're on this end. I actually heard about a church once that they were looking for a, a new pastor and, and, and they prayed, God, lead us to your man. And a guy walked in the next week and he said, God's led me to preach. And they said, here he is. Didn't vet him, didn't look into his background, didn't find out anything about him. But God had spoken. What a mess they had in a year. You know, what a mess. And so, you know, you understand that, that we want to, to do God's work the very, the very best way. Uh, some of you may be thinking, you know, we talk about doing things the best way, doing things inefficiently, doing things efficiently. You know, some of you may be thinking, yeah, I, I, there is the right way to do it, and it's my way. And if you'll just listen to me, everything will be good. <laughs> uh, don't you love being around those kind of people all the time? No, you know you don't. But anyway, I used to have a sign in my office, and it was a joke. It was a joke, folks. But, and it was in my inner office. I had, I had an outer office that people saw, and then I had an inner office that, 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 that only the staff people came into. And it was in the inner office, and it said, I would love to agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. Well, you know, when somebody has that kind of attitude, you got problems. Amen? Because all of us need to be open to suggestion. We all need to be open to, to, to listening to, you know, the advice of other people. One of the greatest things that I believe I've ever done in my ministry is to seek wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. That doesn't mean that God and God's Holy Spirit can't speak to me. But you know what? God speaks through other people and helps me. And, and helps us learn the best ways to go. Uh, my question for you this morning is pretty simple. How important is it for Willow Bend Church to do things not in a way that it gets done, not in a way that it will get done eventually, but in the way God wants us to get it done? How important is it that we do things the right way? 2,400 years ago, the great city of God, Jerusalem, was in ruins. It was in ruins. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away the glory of David and Solomon. The book of Lamentations speaks of the glory of Jerusalem being gone. It's gone. Nehemiah? A Jewish layman living in captivity in Babylon caught a vision of restoring the glory of Jerusalem right by rebuilding the destroyed walls of Jerusalem. You see, you need to understand, in the ancient world, when a city had lost its walls, it meant that the God of that city 
no longer had the power or the authority to protect that city. It, it was not only a physical thing, it was also very much a image thing. It was, it was, it was practical and it was also spiritual. The walls of Jerusalem being in ruin was, was a bad reflection on the God of Jerusalem, Jehovah. Well, you know, what does that have to do with us today? God's first covenant was with the people of Israel, and Jerusalem was their holy city. God's second covenant came through the blood of Jesus Christ, and it includes all of us who call Him Savior and Lord. And like Jerusalem was the first covenant, so is church part of the second covenant. Jerusalem was seen as a reflection of God, the God of Israel. And make no mistake, guys, the church today is a reflection to this world of the God that we serve. So how can we as a church learn from Nehemiah's call to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. How can we learn from that situation and apply it to our situation today? I'm not saying, and please do not get me wrong, I want, I want to make this very clear. I'm not saying that the walls of Willowbend Church are in ruin. I'm not saying that. I have heard many of you say, though, that some of you feel like that, that those of you that are still here, those of you that are here are the remnant of what once was. That there were more of you at one time. That you've gone through some difficult situations. And you would love to see, uh, for lack of a better term, the glory of Willoughbyn restored to what it once was. And I know that, hey, can you look? listen to me? Look at me. I know some of you are frustrated because you're sitting there thinking, yeah, and we can get along doing that just as long as you leave and we find a new pastor. I understand that. <laughs> I know what you think. I know what some of you are thinking. I get it. I get it. But what we're trying to do here is lay the foundation for the next pastor so that when he comes, y'all are ready to take off. Y'all are not going to take off as long as I'm your interim. Can I tell you that? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because people that come to a place, people that come to a place want to know who's going to be preaching to them. And if they say, oh, well, that guy, well, you know, whether I like him or not, he's not going to be preaching to me next year. So, yeah, I get that. I get that. But you know, at the same time, if we put things in motion, I, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example. When I first went to my last church, people would say, when are we going to get out and start visiting people? When are we going to get out and start doing things? And quite honestly, I said, we're not right at first. We're not going to do that. And they said, why not? Don't we want people to come right away? I said, do you want them to come before we get our house in order? Do you want them to come and then the, the, you know, they are expecting a certain thing and when they get here, they don't see it and so they're not ever coming back? I would rather us get our house in order and then them come. You know, And so what I'm saying is we're trying to set up that situation so that when your new pastor comes, y'all are ready to hit the ground and go. And, uh, and, and the elders have asked me to, 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 well, to write up things that I think that, that, that would help y'all. I'm, I'm in the midst of doing that. 
You know, and here again, you know, my opinion, now that's not true. You are paying a little bit for my services, okay? I would say it's worth what you're paying for it, which is nothing, okay? But that's extra. So you can take what I tell you and you can say, we don't like that. And you can throw it in the trash. Not going to hurt my feelings a bit. Or you can take it seriously and, 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 and think about maybe, you know, doing some things that, that I will suggest that you do that I think could, could help you in the future. So anyway, here we are. We're part of the second covenant. What can we learn from the story uh, in Nehemiah? First of all, we must be people that are sensitive to need. You hear that? If Willoughby's going to be the church it needs to be, you must be people that are sensitive to the needs around you. It's funny. I, I've worked for the Baptist General Convention of Texas. You all know that. But in April, many of you don't know that in April, my area was expanded. And before April 1, this area here in Plano, Texas was not my area. Uh, I, did not, I did not have this area. Now, uh, this area is part of my area. And, uh, and, and quite honestly, I know a lot of the churches around here. I know a lot of the pastors that pastor churches that are that are in Plano and 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 surrounding areas. In fact, my my former this is small world. My former administrator at my last church is getting ready to be the administrator at First Baptist Church Allen. He just accepted the call last week. Lots of ties, you know. Lots of people I know, you know. Lots of people. There are a lot of good churches around you. What is Willoughby's niche? That's what we're trying to find. And that's what we've talked about. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. What makes Willoughby unique in the midst of all these churches that are around us? What makes you unique? What makes you different? What, what, what is your special ministry that God wants you to have? You know, Because every church is, is different. And no two churches are the same. I, I promise you that. I know churches. Okay? And, and you're not supposed to be like the other churches. Did you know that? You're not supposed to be like them. You're supposed to be what you're supposed to be. But what makes you unique and what makes you special and, 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 and how can you find your niche? The way you do it is being sensitive to the needs of people. We meet people's needs. When people get comfortable, the tendency is to become complacent and not sensitive to the needs of others. Let me tell you another thing. When we're worried, when we've got an inward look, we don't have an outward look. I'm pretty simple. I've told you many times, I'm an Aggie. I, I can't think complexly. I have to think in simple terms, okay? I know this. When I'm looking in one direction, I cannot look in the other direction. I can only look in one direction at a time. And so if I'm looking inwardly, I can't be looking outwardly. And so we have, to, we have to understand and be sensitive to the needs of others. In 440 B.C., Nehemiah was comfortable. He was the cupbearer for the king of uh, Babylon. He was the vice regent to the king. He was living in the king's palace. He was eating the king's food. He was drinking the king's wine. He had it made. Life was good for Nehemiah. And you know what he could have said? He could have said, yeah. That wall being down in Jerusalem, that's a terrible thing. But you know, I'm vice-regent to the king, and, and it's not really my job. Somebody else needs to do that. I've got a pretty important job here, right? I mean, I'm, I'm close to the king of Babylon. That's somebody else's job. That's, that's not my job. 
uh, somebody else needs to take care of that. And if you look uh, at chapter 1, verse 4, Nehemiah says this. Listen, listen to Nehemiah's heart. Listen to his heart. When I heard that these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. It didn't make any difference that he was an important man in Babylon. He was part of the first covenant and his heart was broken when he heard about the condition of Jerusalem. His heart was broken. He wept. He wept. Now, I used to say to my former church all the time, are we perfect? Of course we're not. Are there areas that we need to do better at? Of course there are. Are there ways that we can do better? Yes. Well, does the difference between where we should be and where we are, does it bother you? Does it bother you? You see, the condition of Jerusalem made Nehemiah weep. It hurt him. And, 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 and I was always trying to get my people to say, look, no, the walls aren't falling down, but we can do better. Does it bother you that we're not doing better? And I'm asking you today, where can Willow Bend do better? And it, the difference between where you are and where you can do better, does that bother you? Or are you complacent? I'm asking you. I, you're the only one that can answer that. You have to answer that in your heart. Nehemiah saw the need and he was sensitive to the need. He saw the need and he was sensitive to the need. Number two, we must believe that God will provide what is needed. You know, I don't know how many times, uh, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? People say, well, we, we, you know, we, we, want to, we want to be this kind of church, but we don't have the resources to be that kind of church. I believe this. I believe God gives you everything you need to be what you need to be. God will give you everything you need to be what you need to be. Look at chapter 2, starting with verse 4. Chapter 2, starting with verse 4. The king said to me, this is Nehemiah talking, the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant was found, has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. What he's saying is, King, Jerusalem's in trouble. Jerusalem is in ruins. Let me go back and rebuild the wall. Then the king with the queen sitting behind, beside him asked me, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, uh, keeper of the king's forest, so that they will give me the timber to make uh, beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. You see what he's saying there? Nehemiah just didn't say, okay, I think God wants me to go build a wall, get up and go. No. He got, he, he, made, he made preparation. He, 
he got visas for a safe passage. He, he, he made sure he procured lumber from the king's forest. He, he had army officers, chariots, horses all at his disposal. By the, by the hand of God, Nehemiah was given everything he needed to get the job done. And I believe this with all my heart. When a church comes together and they're sensitive to the needs around them, they have a real vision for what God wants you to do, God will give you everything you need to accomplish that. He will give you all the resources that you need. You know, is there any doubt? Is there any doubt that God wants to work through Willow Bend? I don't believe. Is there any doubt God will give us the resources we need to do what he wants us to do? I don't believe there is. But here's the tough one. Here's the tough one. You want to hear it? Some of you are going to, you know, if you have hearing aids, just turn them off right now because you're not going to like what I'm about to say. You're not going to like it. We must accept personal responsibility for what God wants us to do. We must accept personal responsibility for what God wants us to do. Now, if you go later this afternoon, if you want to go back and read chapters 1, 2, and 3, I think that's a great thing. Let me tell you, chapter 3 is filled up with a bunch of names that are hard to pronounce, okay? I'm not going to try to do that this morning, okay? Just not going to do it. But... It is also, it shows all the different people that took personal responsibility for rebuilding part of that wall. The priests took personal responsibility. The men of Jericho stood up and said, we'll build part of the wall. Zachor said, I will. The sons of Hassanah stood up and said, we'll build part of the wall. Merimoth, son of Uriah, said, we will build part of the wall. And the list goes on and on and on. People were willing to stand up and say, you need the wall built? We'll do our part. We'll do our part. Guys, I pastored for 23 years full time. Sometimes my churches did great things and sometimes they did not. Sometimes we were moving forward and sometimes we were not. Can I tell you? Can I tell you the secret? It's when people in the pews or in the chairs took personal responsibility for what they felt like God wanted them to do in the church. And they got to work. You could call the next coming of Billy Graham. Or any other great preacher that's out there on television right now that you think is great. And unless you're willing to take personal responsibility for what God wants you to do as a member of Willow Bend Church, this church will never be what it needs to be. Personal responsibility for building your section of the wall. Not all of the wall, but your part of the wall. And what does God want you to do? And are you willing to, to, to move from being just a consumer to a producer? Somebody that says, 
I want to build my part of the wall. You know, this, this, this involves risk. The risk of time. You know, how long will it take to build that? Did you hear him? The king said, how long is it going to take to build that wall? I think it's interesting. Nehemiah didn't tell us what he told the king. <laughs> he just said, you know what? I just procured enough time to go. We don't know. We don't know how long. You know, how many times have you taken on a job? I, how many times did I hear, oh, wow, if I'd have known it was going to be like this, I would have never said yes. Huh? Yeah. We don't know the time. We don't know how much time it's going to take sometimes. It, it, it means risking your time. It means risking your resources. You know, it means risking reaching out. Have you ever thought about this? Did you notice that the men of Jericho were some that said, we'll come and build a part of the wall? Do you know, if you know anything about Old Testament history, you know Jericho had some wall issues of their own. They had some wall problems. They could have said, you know what? Wall building starts at home. We're going to build a wall around Jericho first. Then we'll worry about Jerusalem. They didn't do that. Did you know the wall of Jericho was never rebuilt? Not really. But they didn't worry about that. They felt like God wanted them to come and be part of building that wall in Jerusalem. And that's what they did. They got up and they went and built their part of the wall. Risking the difficult. Risking the unpleasant. You know, uh, some had to build next to the dung gate. Y'all know what the dung gate was? It was where they took all the refuge out of the city. Somebody had that section of the wall. We know they did because the wall got built. I remember... <laughs> I was the president of the Texas A&M BSU back in 1982. We went down to Matamoros, Mexico to, to build a church. And, uh, and our director thought it would be great because, you know, you know, the, the, you know the, let the first be the last, let the last be the first, let the, let the president build the outhouse. That's what I got to do. We dug the hole for the outhouse. That was my job. You know, one of the only jobs I've ever had where I got to start at the top. But some of y'all get that in a minute. <laughs> but you know what? It was my job. And some guys were, 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 were running electrical and some guys were putting shingles on the roof and some guys were hanging sheetrock and some guys were painting and some guys were doing all these other things. I was digging a hole for an outhouse. But that was my job. And, 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 and when we say yes to God, when we say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to stand up and we're going to do what God wants to do, sometimes, how many times have you heard people say, yeah, man, I'm, I'm yes, sir, God, and then somebody in the church says, well, we're going to do it. Well, no, wait a minute. That's not what I really had envisioned. That's not what I really wanted to do. That's not what I wanted to sign up for. It's also my experience that even if it's not what we signed up for, if it's what God wants us to do and we cheerfully follow in obedience, He blesses us through it all. He blesses us through it all. And so we take personal 
responsibility for building our part of the wall. But as is always the case, doing church the right way, being willing to stand up and say, yes, I'll be part of building the wall. Well, it brings personal blessings and it brings corporate success. And I don't mean corporate in the way of business world. I mean group success. It brings personal blessings and it brings group success. What happened to that wall? You ever thought about it? You ever thought about what happened to that wall that that Nehemiah built? Well, Nehemiah died, but the wall still stood. The Greeks came in and took over that part of the world and ruled Jerusalem for quite a while. The wall stood. The Jews were able to take control of their land for a period of time. The wall still stood. The Romans overthrew the Jews and the Romans were in charge, but the walls still stood. Until one day, a little Jewish boy named Jesus came to Jerusalem and he was dedicated in the temple that was protected by those walls. 20 years later, that same Jesus came back. He was praised and then he was crucified in that city surrounded by those walls. Nehemiah had walled in that city so that when our Lord came, the people of that city had to make a decision. They had to say yes or they had to say no. But they didn't have the option of doing nothing. You see, that's our job today. Our job is to wall in our part of the city for Jesus Christ. Willow Ben's job is to give people the opportunity to say yes or no to the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. If you're doing your job, some people will say yes, some people will say no, but they will hear the message and they will be given the opportunity to decide because of your ministry. And so, I'm asking you, Where do you think God wants you on the wall at Willow Bend? Is the wall in perfect condition? Does it need some repairs? Where can you stand in the gap? You see, I can't answer these questions for you. It's not my job to. It's your job as a body of believers called Willow Bend Church to stand up, take responsibility, and be the congregation that he wants you to be here in this place. We're getting ready to we're getting ready to close. And then after we close, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Now, you're you're welcome to go. And you're welcome to stay and meet in corporate prayer for God to lead us. Because one of the things that you said through the feedback that we've been getting is we don't pray together enough as a congregation. 
well, you know what? We, we're going we're gonna to try to fix that. We're going to try to do more of that. You know? And it starts today. Don't be like I am sometimes. Don't say, you know, that's a great idea, and I agree with that, and I'm 100% for that, but you know what? I really need to go today. I'll catch you next time. You can do that. But if you're like me, you know what? Next time never comes. I've got this little thing on my, my refrigerator. It says, tomorrow I start my diet. You know when tomorrow comes? Never. Never. So, so I'm challenging you. Hey, let's start today. Let's start today because it's not going to be long before y'all looking for a new preacher. You're looking for a new pastor. You're looking for a new shepherd. And uh, it, it's, getting, it's getting serious time, guys. It's getting time. And, and we desperately need God to lead us. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to challenge you. We must be people sensitive to the needs around us. We must believe that God will provide everything that is needed. We must accept personal responsibility for our place on the wall. Remember, doing church the right way takes all of us. It takes all of us. But it brings blessings, personal and group to all of us. You know, God wants you to be vitally involved in His church. I'll close with this story. I remember one time I was visiting with a guy and he had, he had been visiting our church. And life had been hard on him. I'm going to tell you, life had been hard. And uh, he was down, suffering a lot of depression. And, uh, and he was in a bad spot. He was in a bad place. And you know what? We all go through those times. I mean, you know, I've been through those bad spots. I bet you have too. And he was going through a hard time. And he, 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 he said, well, you know, I, I really think I, I kind of like your church. I think I, I think I might join. I think I might be a part of it. It was almost apologetic, you know, how he said it. You know, it's almost like, well, if you'll take me, you know. <laughs> I said, that's wonderful. And, 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 you know, I'm so excited about what God wants to do through you here. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. No, God, God can't use me. He, I'm just going to come and sit on the back row and, and, and appreciate you guys letting me be here. I said, no. I said, no, 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 no. God has something for you to do here. And, and, and He wants to use you. And you know what? It, it, it was... It was like a thunderbolt hit him. And, and, do I, and, and I'm not going to say, hey, all of his problems were, were gone. And, and, and I'm not going to say that. But did you know what? When he realized that the living God and his church needed him, it gave him a new purpose. And it put meaning in his life that had been missing for a while. And I'm saying to you today, the living God needs you. He needs you in His church. And He needs you to take your place on the wall. Will you stand up and say, Here am I, Lord.